Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Bolino. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer, living and working in Chicago, Illinois. On this show, I interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. We're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. Hello, it's episode 200. OMG, can you believe that we're here? I I guess I, I was going to say I can't believe that we're here, but also I can because I, in some ways, am a very rigid person. And if I say I'm going to do something, I fucking do it. And I fucking did it, y'all. I have been doing this podcast for almost five years now. In March, we're going to have our five-year anniversary And this is episode 200. So I have had 200 conversations with amazing people about the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others in this fucked up, crazy world. And when I started this in 2018, Lord knows I had no idea there was going to be a pandemic, all the racial reckoning that's happened. I didn't know who I was going to be five years from now. So I don't know, y'all. This is it's just pretty cool. And I am really excited to be here and really appreciate those of you who have shared this journey with me. I was reflecting that I have made so many friends through this podcast, not just folks that I've interviewed, but also folks who've reached out to connect with me, whether it be through social media or Patreon or in one of my groups. And it's just been the coolest experience. And I've told y'all that I'm transitioning to a new business. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, are you still doing the podcast? Yes. As long as I can afford to do the podcast, I will be doing the podcast. And I can't promise that it's always going to look exactly what it looks like right now, but I can tell you that it's the best way to have conversations with cool people. So I don't plan on giving this up anytime soon. So one thing that you're going to be hearing today is I put a call out there to ask listeners to share what they had learned from the podcast or what was meaningful to them about the podcast. And I had several folks come back to me with um, either written notes or they gave me voicemails and I'm going to be sharing those with you today. So I just wanted to say to all those lovely, amazing people who shared their voice or their words with me, thank you. So I just, again, I'm really, really appreciative that people would take the time and, you know, it's good to be loved, right? You know? So I've talked before about how sometimes podcasting can be really lonely because I sit here and do it by myself and I don't always get the feedback. And it's it's not about the feedback, but let's be honest, sometimes it's about the feedback. So thank you for sharing your words and your support and your friendship because these people have become friends of mine. So thank you. One more announcement before we get into the juiciness of this episode, the celebration of 200 episodes. Uh, I have a couple groups that I'm going to be starting in the beginning of 2023. And so I wanted to share a little bit of information about those with y'all now so that you can start booking. So the first one is called Wounded Healers as Leaders. 
So basically, I, as a practice owner, have known how painful and challenging it is to be a group therapy practice owner. And I think part of why I've been put through this gauntlet in my life is so that I can support other people who are going through that. So the Wounded Healers as Leaders is going to be starting at the beginning of January, and it's going to be a six-month-long process where I invite other folks who identify with sort of that wounded healer identity and who are also group practice owners. And we're going to create, oh, great, there's leaf blowing now. Sorry, y'all, this is the suburbs. There's leaf blowing. Um, (laughs) So we're going to create this really special group where people can share not only logistical support for one another, but really share that emotional support that it's, it's hard to get from other people who don't know what it's like to own and run a therapy practice. So we're going to link all of this in the show notes. So don't worry, you don't have to remember it all now, but that's Wounded Healers as Leaders. And then the second group, I'm going to be offering my third installment of Wounded Healers Virtual Groups, and that is for just any individual who works in the mental health field and wants support from other like-minded people. And we've done two cohorts already, and it's just been really juicy and really sweet. And again, it's a really cool place to be able to connect and support one another and focus on our own healing. So... That's what I've got for you in terms of offerings. And now we're going to shift to today's wonderful guest. So we're doing a throwback, y'all. My second guest ever was a woman named Sarah Wolfman. And very shortly, you'll get to hear how amazing she is. She was really transformational in my own healing process. And, you know, I've, I've now come to call her a friend and she's somebody who... I I don't know. I just feel this like warm, motherly, caring love whenever I'm in her presence. And I'm so grateful that she was willing to sit down with me again and, and spend some time sort of reflecting on what's happened over the past few years since we talked first. So I'll tell you a little bit about who Sarah is in her own words. I am passionate about embodiment as a tool for transformation. What began as a melding of pain management and yoga has evolved into a synergy of postural alignment, dynamic movement, chronic pain, and trauma release, mindful living, healing touch, and somatic experience therapy. We all share the potential and capacity to live a healthy life. Our unresolved stress, traumatic experiences, and temperament sometimes moves us off-center, potentially causing anxiety, depression, and dysfunctional behavior. Specializing in transforming trauma and chronic pain, my intention is to assist clients in feeling curious and inspired and empowered by life's challenges rather than being overwhelmed and defeated. So please enjoy this conversation for our 200th episode with the lovely Sarah Wolfman. Hello, Sarah. (laughs) It's been 15 minutes since essentially we were supposed to start. We were both futzing around with everything. It's definitely Mercury retrograde right now. And it won't be by the time people listen to this, but as we're recording, wow. Full moon's all over the joint, man. Right, right, right. Full moon was... Two days ago. Yes, yes. And Mercury retrograde. Oh, boy. So how are you today right now in this very moment? How am I today right now in this very moment? Well, let's start slow. I'm breathing. So that's always a plus. <laughs> I'm good, honey. I'm good. It's, it's riding the wave, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That is what we do. 
It is what we do. So this is the 200th episode, and we were just talking about what the hell are we going to talk about today? And for the 200th episode, I sort of just wanted to do like a look back on life and, you know, what has happened for both of us personally and professionally. And I have a lot of cycles that are coming to a close right now, and then something new is starting. And so I figured you would have something to say about that. And Sarah Wolfman, which I'll let you introduce yourself again, but but Sarah Wolfman was on our third ever episode, my second guest ever. And I just thought it would be lovely to kind of go back to where we started and see what's up now. It's a privilege to be here, honey. I'm excited to hear about your cycles. Great. Cool. Well, let's let's start with you, though, since you're the guest. So do you want to introduce yourself if people didn't hear that episode number three? So my name is Sarah Wolfman. I work as a somatic experience practitioner, helping clients regulate and feel better at feeling better. Let me rephrase. <laughs> I'm not mad about that. But it's mostly just my friend, Dory Silverman, who I will quote, who I love. I love Dory too. Her big statement is it settles your shit. Yeah. The work is around that. It's kind of learning how to navigate what's rolling inside you at any given time. Not to be calm necessarily and not to like get your shit together, air quotes, but just to right. say, oh, this is interesting. This is curious. Pause <laughs> <laughs> and really look at everything that's going on. So it's that kind of work where you're just slowing down and unwinding stuff that gets stuck. Mm-hmm. Lovely. How has your work changed, if at all, since we recorded almost five years ago? Right, which is so hard to believe. Right. So the work has changed in the way that. From a practitioner's perspective, I'm taking things a little slower with clients Mm. in that there is an art to that. One of the things that you had mentioned in our first session was that, you know, people don't sometimes see me for more than 10 sessions. And I'm noticing that that's more. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, and that's not necessarily, I think in my brain, I thought that that was inconvenient to have to see somebody for more than Uh, interesting it just turns out that sometimes it's longer sometimes it's shorter certainly and then something else that was mentioned before is that sometimes we're just working on projects right or puzzles or topics or things that just pop up and then people will go away and then i'll come see them again but it's really slowing down and working in smaller bites than going right after the big cojones Mm -hmm. right away Mm. so i've seen the efficiency around that. And I've witnessed a lot more presence around that when you take things in smaller bites and just a way to be in the room with people. You know, the thing with somatic work is it's a lot's done around silence Mm -hmm. and a lot's done around just noticing and observing. And if we're always yakking, we're getting to the next thing. We're not really landing in Mm -hmm. the new chemicals to taste, the new hormones to try. That's kind of the bonus of the yeah. world getting ahead of that stuff that's really cool as you yeah. were listening back to that episode was there anything like anything that surprised you that you didn't remember anything I don't know that stood out to you well one of the things that I think is encouraging is I felt like in that first episode somatic work really wasn't talked about a lot you know people knew about it but not like they know about it now yeah there's one thing that the pandemic has done is bring the body into the field in quite of a mass way. 
because it's being talked about all over the place. Yeah. And that's, that's encouraging from certainly from a place of work, but also just for the general populace. It's like, we have a different way of communicating with people, a different way of understanding how our systems are firing, potentially more compassion for the way we're showing up in certain places and ways. That to me has been the biggest change is just how common the word is now. How mm. people know about somatic or even NARM, the work that you're doing, you know, these body psychotherapy methods. I mean, it's really amazing the work people are doing ugh, that are publishing these things. It's incredible. It really is. That part, I feel, is hopeful and helpful for many years in the future. Mm-hmm. I know there are yeah. so many things like, well, now nobody can say that they have not been traumatized. Like, literally nobody. <laughs> if you survive this pandemic, you have survived trauma, right? And that's such a cool observation that I hadn't, I hadn't personally noticed, but yeah, people aren't necessarily saying, I want you for somatic therapy. So that's not a question that I always get directly, but wow, that makes, that makes all the sense. Well, more people are seeking out help too. Way more people seeking out help. I'm collaborating with clinicians. I mean, Mm. it's, it's a beautiful thing because I know there's things that are not in my wheelhouse. Right. It's so open and fluid and wonderful. Everybody's kind of scratching each other's back Mm -hmm. to be part of a community. And that is another thing we've learned from these years of shutdown is how important everybody is and how important these groups are. And in a weird way, with the way more people can access through Zoom and these things, I think that is how this has gotten so popular. Because even from an aspect of the trainings, so many of these trainings were now online. Right. Or just places was, first of all, expensive, right? And rather privileged. I mean, if you think about Absolutely. How, how you can like, you know, log on something, save it for when you have to, you know, do it at your own. It's really amazing. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't change. Agreed. Because people really want to learn. Yeah. I mean, I know for the speaking gigs that I'm doing, it's still it's still hybrid. There are some conferences that are finally going back in person, which conferences were terrible online. Let's be honest about that. But yes. <laughs> so conferences going back in person, but trainings, yeah, the hybrid is amazing. Right. What did you do right at the beginning of the pandemic when we weren't going out? Because you've been doing touch work a lot. Right. So I did it virtually. I did a lot of mindfulness scanning and just kind of the same in the beginning. It was sort of the people that I had been doing touch with had visceral memory of Mm. the touch work to kind of navigate that from the body. Hold on. That is cool as shit. It was really cool. I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And I don't know. There's something out there. But I think when you're that tuned in, And at the same time, that pulled back, right? There's room and focus. There's space. These pieces can become intimate. And frankly, we were all so hungry for it that I think we made it work. Right. We just made it work. And so that helped from a place of the clinician. It helped me really widen my aperture on how this Mm -hmm. stuff can work. And I think even from a client perspective, things don't have to be just one way. Right. Right. So just different ways to get in there and different ways for self-touch. Mm, oh, wow. End of the day, that is the yeah. piece. I mean, it's wonderful to have someone's hand on your heart, hand on your kidneys, wherever. But when it can be your own hand and you can feel something. Wow. 
that was a really cool piece to be a part of. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That was fun. Yeah. So that was with that. And then I started seeing people in person. I want to say the beginning of last year, maybe a little Mm. earlier. Wow. So you did that for a long time. Yeah. I wanted bodies. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And because it's really, you know, it's such a small space and it's just me and the other person too. So we were safe about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's so cool. We kind of went in different directions, but anything else about our previous conversation that stood out that you wanted to bring back or anything? We talked a little bit about, you had brought up a couple times in our previous conversation about people have a choice. You're talking about the concept of we can choose directions. Mm-hmm. In reference to at the top of our interview last time, you had mentioned your friend. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to touch into that a little bit because there is something to that, that even though we may have a choice, when we're in overwhelm, we don't feel we do. Yeah. And there's a lot there that whatever side of the chair we're on, right, we're either witnessing it or we're experiencing it on ourselves. where we get in these spins and we can't see a choice. Yep. To normalize that because that's a big player somatically. It's a big player in our life. Right. And then we move into those thought spirals. You know, part of the work is around being able to have that whatever you're feeling potentially play with expanding it to more parts of your body so that you can get through that thick top hard layer and see what else is there. We have these cells in our body, these little peptide cells, send information all over our form and into our brain. But if when we move into these places where I don't have a choice, like it's the, it's that tight it's almost like I, there's one cell just getting jammed with all the information. Mm-hmm. So from a place just to touch back in terms of that topic around having choice, around feeling something other than that acute feeling, it is really the art of being able to expand whatever's there and recognize that our bodies are strong, right? And they're big. We just 2% is where the brain too. Mm-hmm. And our legs especially. So it's like these things when we, we get so cognitive around that trap and to just have some compassion. I mean, it's easy to say, right? Have some compassion for yourself, la la la, which we get, but it's really meeting that lack of choice where it's at, Mm -hmm. meeting it, spreading it. What else? Mm. Because I think we can get lost in, well, why? Well, can't you see there's all these, but you're great at this. You know, whatever. Oh yeah, that doesn't work. (laughs) That is so not the thing. Mm -hmm. That's more of where I'd like to see the work be embodied a little bit more and yeah. tap into that power of our bones from a place of navigating these tricky pieces. We spent all that time in lockdown with these little pockets of like, you know, in Yiddish, we would call it schmutz, like stuff that just gets stuck places, right? Like, what is that thing? And then we'd be like, oh, we'll deal with it later. I'm not going to see anybody for a year anyway, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But we can spread that stuff and see what's there. There's a lot of surprises, Mm -hmm. a lot of backstory, a lot of help within. Yeah. When we can spread that stuff out, we may then find an actual choice instead of looking for it just up here. Yeah. I really like the concept of spreading it out. And when I think about, because in NARM, we would say when people are really struggling to see the other choices, that's child consciousness. And yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about expansion. And so 
you know, when we can expand, we do see other choices and it does have to be embodied. And that's, I mean, that's how NARM works. So it's just, but I love, I love the thought of that because I'm thinking of a couple clients where things just really seem to get stuck. And maybe that's something I'll try next time. It's like, okay, you're, you're feeling this feeling. I wonder if we spread it out and see what happens. I bet something interesting will. Totally. Yeah. And the thing, like there's a, physiology to this. We've got big legs as humans. We're strong in the lower body. We've got glutes, hamstrings, quad. These are strong parts of our body. But when they aren't able to help with the emotional navigation, fight, flight requires legs. So we get this jam in the throat, jam in the heart, Mm -hmm. the pain in our bellies, all of these things. But if we can give it to the parts of our body that can actually hold it, there's a whole other world there. Yeah. When we can start to truly include it, but even from a, and I would say even almost especially from a place of emotion, because an emotion that we would typically get around that would be, I'm, I'm just afraid, you know, it's fear, Yeah. sometimes terror. So these things require space, but then you get, if I spread it out and it's like, that's, it's the right. opposite actually happen. Right, right, right. Yeah. I can hear one of my clients in particular, I know that the reaction would be, but it's going to take over me. Right. But it's <laughs> yeah. the tone of that. Yes, they're yeah. right. But yeah, instead of just taking over your heart, instead of just taking mm-hmm. over your neck, it's these mm-hmm. things. So it, it's just a, it's a, just another thing to bring into the room to help. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Congratulations on 200 episodes. It feels like yesterday that you were celebrating the big 100. This is no small feat, and I hope you're reveling in your accomplishments. The Conversations with a Wounded Healer podcast has been one of my go-to podcasts for a few years now, and to say your platform has changed my life is an understatement. I discovered your podcast during a really difficult time in my life when I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my career because I didn't feel I was in service to others in a meaningful way. I thought I was too broken from my own past traumas to ever be something cool like a therapist. Well, let's just say my heart was broken wide open when I learned that being a therapist didn't mean I had to be a perfect human. Yes, I actually used to think that therapists were the perfect magic superhumans with perfect lives and no trauma. How silly of me. Because of the authentic and vulnerable conversations that you share with the world, you gave me the courage to quit that job and embark on a more meaningful path. I'm currently a social work student and have embraced life dedicated to unlearning, relearning, and healing. I love you, Sarah. Thank you. Margaret Rain. Wounded Healers quickly became one of my favorite podcasts. I think one of the main reasons was when I when I found the show and I scrolled through the episodes, I was so impressed by the array of professionals and artists and just those with varying perspectives, various expertise, and that they were invited on the show to have a conversation and to share that insight with others. I found it to be a really great way to ground myself. And I would typically listen to the podcast on my way to work and on my way home. And I just found it a really nice way to start to check into my day. And then at the end of the day, again, just ease out of it. And being able to do that in a space where I'm still learning and I'm gaining insight, I'm still exploring my interests and also able to do it with a laugh 
and with some fun and some color. Yeah. As I was listening to the episode, it's it's funny because, I mean, I started the podcast not having any idea what I was doing, but as I listened to it, I was like, oh, fuck, I was pretty good at that already. <laughs> you were she hadn't done that many. No. And I might've even yeah. like, you might've been the first interview that I did, even though I published another one first, I think yours was actually the first, you know, and I say that not from a narcissistic place, but from this place of like, oh, I am good at this. Like I'm naturally good at this. And it feels really good to recognize that. Yeah. yeah. And it would just, it was so really beautiful to listen to our relationship I mean, since then, gosh, you came to my 40th birthday party. You send me the best birthday texts every year. I think was the last one when you did like the song that your dog was singing or <laughs> But it was like, I don't even know how you did it. Some video. I don't, I mean, it's an app, right? Oh, yeah. Nice. So just picture of the dog and then the dog is singing to me. It was so funny and it just kept going. And I was like, this is one of the most amazing things ever. Like, you're somebody who I don't talk to very often, but I feel really held and cared for by you in so many ways. And now I want to cry because you're not even old enough to be my mother, but there's that quality that I, yeah, that makes me want to cry because I didn't have that from my mom. And so when I get that from somebody else, it's really special. Love you, honey. Yeah. I love you too. Yes. Ooh. Oh, yeah, I have mascara on, so I'm just going to rub it on my face now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I've been moving and like there's probably like five times in the past month that I've worn makeup. So I forget now that I have it. <laughs> so since the pandemic, I mean, I know your work has changed considerably, right? So your work has changed the office You've got more people. More people. It's a new office. I'm selling the business. So the listeners know that, but you don't know that. Wow. Yeah. Mazel tov. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. My executive director, Rael. So if you're listening and you haven't heard that episode with Rael, it came out February of 2022. So go back and check that out. But so Rael's our executive director and she wants it. When I had hired her, I was already trying to figure out how to get out. Cause I knew, I knew I was like heading towards being done. And uh, I had told her, I, you know, this is what I really like. And it would really be ideal if you were interested in taking over oh, Sarah. and she is. Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. But so, yeah, I, I told you before we started recording that there are cycles ending and that's, that's one big one. And, and it's funny because I like all of the work that I've done over the past several years. Oh, that was another thing too, that I recognize listening. Like I had a big mental breakdown in 2020 and then a big healing thing around a lot of sexual abuse stuff that came up and listening back it was helpful to remember how much work I had done up until that point. And then also think about everything that's happened since then in my personal work. Was that the impetus to the change for the work? I don't know. So, something has happened and it's it was not like an acute thing, but all of a sudden I noticed I could notice my body and how things were impacting me. And I moved to Skokie. Everybody knows now Skokie. And we moved here because 
my nervous system just can't tolerate the city anymore as much as I used to be able to. And with the practice too, like I just know I'm done. Like inside is saying you are done. (laughs) These are things that I think are really important, Mm -hmm. right? Like what is your feeling of I'm done? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, oof, how do you describe energy? I mean, I guess what happens for me is I can't give you like, it feels like something physical in my body, but the image that comes up is just like closing closing a, a trunk or something like that. That's That's what comes up when I think about what does that feel like? Okay. Is there any kind of liberation for you around it? Oh, yeah. I'm so happy for you. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah, it it will be. It's there's kind of this like start stop thing. And I I was feeling that before moving too. So I was getting it from like both sides. And now it's really just about that because I don't understand how all these things work and taxes and lawyers and accountants and whatever. So there's all that stuff that has to happen. But you know, Rayelle and I have been on the same page since day one. We're still on the same page and we're, you know, I am shifting my role already in the practice. And so I'm sort of like stepping back. And one thing that was really interesting is I, part of what has made me so exhausted as a practice owner is the energetic holding that I have over the business. And I've started letting that go so that Rayelle can do that in her own way. And the, they felt it, the team felt it. And there was a, there was a moment of kind of like, what's going on and chaos and anger and, and all of these things. And I recognize like, oh yeah, I mean, I didn't think I needed to communicate that necessarily to anyone, but I think it was probably like the gap between me pulling back and Rael stepping forward that energetically felt unsafe for people or like, there's nothing there to hold me. Isn't that funny? No, it's palpable. I mean, yeah. How this works. You're the yeah. mama, right? Yeah. yeah. It's hard not to have that role to step mm-hmm. into that as a practice owner, as mm-hmm. you know, a person that cares so deeply about so many with all of yourself. Right. Right. right? Yeah. And I think I don't hmm, am I gonna say this out loud? Do I believe this is true? I'm gonna say it and then we'll find out if it's true or not. I think that being a practice owner really isn't wasn't the right path for me. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that I made a wrong choice, but because of that, like I can't not be there with my whole heart, soul, body, mind, spirit. And it's exhausting to care for so many people all at once Mm. and know that they are going to be unhappy with you. You are going to make decisions that yeah, I, I hurt people inadvertently yeah. by things that I'd done, things that I didn't do. And that that's why I didn't fucking have kids, Sarah, because I knew I didn't want to do that with my life. And here you go. God said, sorry, you're going to learn this lesson anyway. Yeah. Damn. You right. back for it. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. What a thing to the timing of it all. Right. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. Wonder like did the intensity of the pandemic and your breakdown that you had referred to earlier, as horrific as that was, gave you the the jumping off point for what you knew you needed. 
Yeah. And I, I already knew before then that I was nearing done. But what the two big realizations, I guess, that came out of the breakdown were like the sexual abuse stuff, really starting to heal that in a new way and workaholism. And so over the last two years, the workaholism recovery, and also that's kind of what's helped me energetically let go of the practice too. Cause yeah, I was just, I was killing myself with the pressure I was putting on myself to do everything, literally right. everything. Right. So even during the pandemic, right? Like yeah. I was so fucking busy and I couldn't keep up and I didn't want to keep up. And now I'm just like, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't hang out. Cause my nervous system just needs a fucking break. I hope that I actually, I think I'm going to have more energy now that I'm in a home that's really quiet physically and energetically. Well, and giving yourself time just to feel into this thing. What's it going to be, you know, just to savor, to get up in there and feel into what you, what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know Kelly Klinger? No. Oh, okay. Cause she, she's an SE person too, but she is now in NARM. So she's my new therapist. And she had said to me, which still is so profound that I have cultivated the ability to tolerate calm in a way that I never have previously. Wow. Yeah. I never thought I could leave the city cause I thought I'd be bored. And now I'm like, boredom sounds delicious. But that's a huge thing that you said. Yeah. Because to have a system that's always, no, calm yeah. isn't going to feel good. Calm is right. going to feel scary. Yes. Right? Yes. So mm-hmm. that's a major shift in what you're talking about. Yeah. From a place of pacing that you were able to kind of taste into that little bits at a time. Mm-hmm. That is not easy to do. Well, you probably witnessed that a lot too. If I'm not, what am I going to do? Yeah. So bored. Yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Now we have a house to putter around and do like right. silly little projects with that mean nothing except to us. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would be that person, but that's okay. Yeah, I want less. That's huge. Yeah. I want more space. I want home. What? Yeah. I mean, that is the opposite of being in a contracted mm-hmm. place, but mm-hmm. it takes time. Yes. Yes. So you started seeing. This new person when? Mm, when did I start seeing her? Was I in Narm when you and I were? You were trying to, you were deciding what you were going to do. Mm, right. Whether it was right. SP's second yeah. thing or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I started seeing her probably about six months after I started Narm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Something like, so probably in 2019. And I'm that's gonna guess. brave too. Cause you were doing it. Right. I mean, there's just a lot. So back to the choice. That's curious. What made you do that? I knew that I really wanted to learn the model because the model makes so much sense to me. Like, this is kind of weird, but like whenever I learn something, it's like I already, I already knew it. Like my body knew it. My system knows it. I just, my brain didn't know it. And so it felt like so right. And the best way for me to learn anything is from the inside out. So I knew I wanted an arm therapist and oh my God, I, I still love Susan, my, my previous therapist, but I really specifically wanted to, to learn NARM. Mm-hmm. And I knew that NARM had a lot to give me. 
And it really did. It answered some, like my biggest question before I started NARM was like, I still am plagued with shame and NARM really helped me turn that around. Wow. Yeah. This shit Brene Brown stuff could never touch. So interesting. Yeah. Because it's not as though you weren't working on it. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, I don't know how much you know about NARM. I know, just the kind of the uh, gloss The basics, yeah. I think the biggest piece for me was about agency, right? So agency is knowing that you have choices and knowing, you know, responsibility is not the right word, but that you have responsibility to yourself, right? And what I learned about myself through NARM was that agency was threatening to me And so it was much, much easier for me to continue to shame myself and blame myself and hate myself and all those sorts of things than it was to allow myself to know I could do it differently. And man, the fights that I had with myself in front of the therapist, because like, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was so patient and so amazing. And yeah, I should interview her at some point. That would be super fun if she would do it. But yeah, the fights that I would have with myself. And I guess that was the thing is she's like, you're fighting with yourself. Like, you're not fighting with me. You're angry at me because I'm, you know, really holding up the mirror. And so like, once I sort of got over that hump of like, okay, I do have agency and it's, it's not going to kill me to recognize that. Right. That was the big shift. So when you would talk to your, when you would have those internal arguments or frankly, it sounds like you had them out loud, but just in front of somebody. It was okay for you to get mad at the part. Yeah. Yeah. So we were basically just kind of tracking where the brain wants to take it. Right. And the, basically the bottom line is like, every time you expand, like get closer to what it is that you want for yourself, then, you know, oftentimes immediately the negative thought comes in that the self-hating thought, the blaming thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's really literally just like, oh, isn't that interesting that that happened? And that's what would make me mad Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I should just be able to fucking love myself or whatever. Right. (laughs) Of course. Just love yourself. Right. Yeah. Love the tone. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's pretty rad. It definitely changed everything. But that's really important too, what you're saying, because if we are going to have agency and we are going to stretch and expand, it isn't a one way thing. Mm -hmm. I saw a great picture and I don't know where it came from, but it was a ladder where the stick figure at the bottom can't reach the rung. And Mm. so the, the rung's really far apart. So to get to it, the person has to jump. The other picture of the ladder is curvy and they're Mm. closer together. So you're navigating it, but it's not a straight line up, but Mm -mm. you can touch the little steps. Yeah. So to be able to stretch, pause, witness, that's Mm -hmm. all of it. But if you do it too quickly, right, or don't do it at all, that's that wrong. You can't get there. Slow down enough to go, that's interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of what's happened for me over the past five years. Yeah. And then moving to Skokie is like, so I just had my 20 year Chicago anniversary Okay, and we moved like the next week. Right. So it's also not a coincidence that I was supposed to, and yes, I'm right outside of the city. I understand that, but still there's something very, I think symbolic about it was 20 years and that's 
I was just supposed to be there for 20. We actually, I, I have the fantasy of moving to Santa Fe at some point in time. And when Rich and I went out to dinner last night, we were just talking and I was like, oh, maybe this is, maybe this is the step between Chicago and Santa Fe because Santa Fe is so slow and such a small town. We just had Labor Day and everything was closed. Like we had to go to the mall to go to dinner because that's, you know, the only only chains were open all of the store. And I was like, it's been 20 years since I've not other than Christmas, not been able to go out whenever I want to. And I was like, oh, that's normal. Right. (laughs) Right. Oh, Santa Fe. Yes. Yeah. So maybe this is like prep, prepping my nervous system for like even more like slowness and juiciness. Who knows? Get to. Yeah. Get to. Yeah. How do you tolerate living right next to Wrigley Field? Like, how does your nervous system do that? I wear earplugs. And, (laughs) you know, I am so used to it. Lived there for 25 years. Oh, yeah. I'm just so used to it. And even though it's an active place, it's also, because it's so busy, a place to be anonymous. Mm. That you can hide. Yeah. And I think that's just how I roll there. Yeah. A lot of the people that walk around the neighborhood, not on my street, but that, you know, obviously around Wrigley, they don't live in the neighborhood. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm not going to see them again. (laughs) Yep. It's a flash them when they walk by. Ah, won't see me again. (laughs) It's an easy place to stay anonymous, frankly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's a secret. That's cool. Dearest Sarah, firstly, congratulations on your 200th episode, and I'm honestly so excited and grateful that your voice and heart will continue to be with me on my morning commute. I'm delighted to have an opportunity to share with you and your listeners what my journey with conversations with a wounded healer has brought into my life. I was first introduced to Sarah's work as the podcast host for Transforming Trauma, a podcast that was created to introduce people to the world of CPTSD and the NARM model. I then proceeded to tune into her podcast and began my listening relationship with Sarah. Within the first episode, I was hooked. Her voice in particular, her laugh and cussing made things seem a little lighter at a time when I was experiencing a dark night of the soul. I was struggling with my mental health, menopause, and the pandemic. Through a great deal of pain and struggle, I kept listening to Sarah's podcast and appreciating her vulnerability and courage. It was a real lifeline. I felt tremendous shame, self-hatred, and doubt that I should continue in the field once I started to acknowledge my own trauma. I entered into my weekly therapy two years ago and will continue to see a somatic experiencing practitioner in addition to other healers as long as I continue in this field thanks to your podcast. Your honesty, courage, and vulnerability, and capacity to connect with self and your own shadow continues to support me and my journey to keep looking at myself and doing the hard work. I also want to say I was so grateful for time spent connecting in your Wounded Healers virtual group. It came at the right time, and I would recommend it to anyone looking to continue on the journey to be with self and others in this amazing but challenging profession. Thank you, Sarah. Big fan, but not in a creepy way. Rebecca. Ms. Naomi Silva, and I started listening to the Conversations with the Wounded Healer podcast Because as a nurse working with a patient population that had a high rate of trauma, I wanted to know how best to help them. 
Little did I know that I would be healing myself along the way. Many times I have had to pause this podcast to process what I heard because it touched something deep inside of me. When I say this podcast changed my life, I'm not exaggerating. Wounds I didn't even know existed were exposed and healed because of something that I heard from Sarah or one of her guests. I am forever grateful to Sarah for her vulnerability, her authenticity, and her audacity to create a podcast where healers discuss their own healing. Thank you to everyone who makes Conversations with a Wounded Healer podcast possible. Well, a question that just came up for me, and I don't know if you have anything for this, but has your definition of what a healer is changed in the past five years? I think it was funny because when you asked me this the first time, I was uncomfortable. I think the word still makes me feel uncomfortable, but I still will say it's just really about sitting alongside. Mm-hmm. I, I am such a believer that it's it's the people that are doing it, meaning the we are our own healer. Even with what you were just saying in front of, her name is Kathy. I'm sorry, your new therapist. Kelly. Kelly. Mm-hmm. She was in the room. Mm-hmm. Said, yeah, you're yelling at yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, I am. So that all happened. You know, the person's mm-hmm. there, but that's you doing it. Mm-hmm. So Kelly's holding the room for sure. You know, as a clinician, we can hold the room. But apart from that, that healing, and that's why it's bouncy and all over the place. And I still think that the definition of the healer lands in the person who wants to be healed. And so I used to be like mad about that answer, I think because I wanted to be able to think that there was something special about me and the work that I did. Yeah. And now I still get mad about it because, (laughs) but for a different reason, more just like, really, there is something special about the person holding the space. Because not, I mean, not every therapist is a good therapist. You know what I mean? And so what I want for like you and other people that I have on the show, like my wish is, and it's hard because I get it, you know, on the other side of the couch, I get how hard it is to take any sort of credit because it doesn't feel like mine. And yet I guess I can sit in like, I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I can sit in that and I can sit in the fact that I've worked really hard to feel into my own container and to build boundaries around it. And that I can, I can settle into comfortably and own. There's no question about that. There's not a lot that ruffles. Yeah. So from that aspect, it's just so funny that like once we introduce the term healer, that somehow that like, I don't know it, it, because I've asked this question 200 times now, right? Right. How many people want to push it away? And, you know, there's, there's some folks who, have been harmed by people who called themselves healers. Right. And and that makes sense. And there are a lot of people out there doing fucked up shit. Like I literally just had a conversation yesterday or two days ago with a friend who had a psilocybin guided journey and the woman fucked it up. Oh, really? Fucked it up. Yeah. And she's walking around calling herself a healer and fucking people up, putting them yeah. in psychotic episodes. Just, ugh, ugh, it was terrible. I mean, and that just makes me think too of, you know, there's in social work, at least they're, they're trying to abolish the testing because it turns out the tests are racist, no shocker. And so they're trying to abolish testing. And at the same time, there has to be some sort of gatekeeping for the people who shouldn't get in, right? The people who are going to cause harm. 
I think it should be fucking therapy. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) you should have to go to therapy and pass. That's a really good point. Ooh, I'm going to tell ASWB, you have to not be a narcissist and you have to not be a psychopath. And if you're not a narcissist or psychopath, you're going to at least not harm people. But there are so many. Oh, it's terrible. Ugh, there's just a lot of harm. And I truly, I think, you know, I I can appreciate where you're coming from with the word, but I think it is a charged Mm -hmm. word. And I think we do have to be mindful of it because it's, it's powerful. And when you start, there are ways to take advantage of the term and the label and almost in a cult-like fashion. And that's not, I have no interest in that. Yeah. And that's why I'm really careful around that. Right. It can ping into icky. I know. I know. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of cult stuff lately too, which is so interesting from the outside, but horrifying if you've been a part of that. And I know a lot of people who have been. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's a reckoning of the truth. I feel like that's happening right now in our culture. Mm -hmm. And how do I say Sometimes I've recognized now, this is the other thing, like somatically, I recognize when it's not a thought I'm having, it's more of like a spiritual sort of like maybe download because things are coming in and I don't really have the correct words to get them all out, but see if I can figure this out. Like I'm teaching and I've never had this issue before, but so I teach like a clinical addictions course and we were talking about that addiction is not a choice and all the different models of addiction and started talking about, you know, if, if somebody is a, was a drunk driver and they, and they hurt somebody like, well, I was basically, I think talking about having empathy for people who become alcoholics or addicts. And one of the, one of the students was like, yeah, but you know, I shouldn't have empathy for somebody who kills somebody in a drunk driving incident. And I was like, Yes, that you can have accountability and empathy at the same time. And I've never had to say that so distinctly Mm. before. So it's like some people are missing the point so much, but I feel like there's more truth in the ether than I've ever come in contact with before, but not everybody can hear it and see it. And that feels so scary to me. Yeah, because it is scary. Because more than one thing can be right, true. Right. <laughs> and that's difficult yes. for our brainstems to wrap their little sticks yeah. around. Right. Because that goes against what survival yeah. tells us. Good, right, bad. Right. Right. And so now we're talking nuance again. That's the beauty of being a human yeah. being. And that's a difficult, that's a question that needs reflecting, especially as a teacher mm-hmm. to your class. Mm-hmm. Right? How do we work with, especially around addiction? Right. It's not that they're bad people. It's not, we're not bad people. Right. More than one thing can be right. true. Right. Right. That'll crack open a system. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. The world has changed. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I'm just stumbling over myself now because I'm just kind of in awe at where we are. Yeah. And curious about what the fuck is going to, how are we going to get out of this? (laughs) So this is the other thing, these small bites, little bits at a time, right? Because these are big things we're working with. And what is our wish? What do we want? What do we desire? What is, what's the plan? Mm -hmm. Right. And then why, why do we want Mm -hmm. There's a lot of place here to just be open and to listen. That would be a wonderful moment with you and that student 
right? To just say, okay, let's look at that. Mm-hmm. If that was always bad, right? what happens from right. that? I mean, there's there's no way out. We move, we move into that trap so quickly mm-hmm. on good, bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an uncomfortable place for humans to be. That's what we are witnessing all over the place. It's just these, yeah. wait, now you're telling me that's not bad? This is right? I'm mm-hmm. like... Uh, mm-hmm, huh? mm-hmm. Our poor little brain. I know. I know. <laughs> human, yeah. Human brains are like so limited. Oh my god! Don't <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I've just Thank realized. The, I think the more I've gotten into my body, the more I get it. I don't know. But that's the piece around expansion too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're just hanging up there. Yeah. And then let that fill you up. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, also limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't help. If I'm the brainstem and I'm talking, I'm saying to the rest of myself, it is not helpful to have a lot of opinions. We need to know what's good and bad so we don't get hit by a drug. Yep. So this would be, that would be that student. Yes, I hear Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And. And. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So you're teaching how many people are in the Uh, class? I think 19, 18, 19, something like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun teaching little little baby social workers. Yeah. Right? Are you going to continue to do that too, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I really okay. enjoy that. My fantasy is I would really love to develop a course on therapist wellness and also, you know, have macro stuff too, that it's not just self-care, but really systemic sort of thing. I think... Now that I've spoken it out loud, that'll probably happen. Look at you. (laughs) I manifest like a motherfucker. That has never been my problem. (laughs) The problem is not manifesting everything at once. So now I have learned. So maybe I won't do that until my business sells. There we go. (laughs) One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Yeah. Well, my husband, I hear him clanking around... Oh, he needs, eat. well, okay. he needs supervision to cook. So okay. <laughs> I love you, Rich. He's actually gotten way better in the pandemic since he had time. He started trying to learn to cook and he's done a very good job, but he does need supervision. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Thing in closing, you want to say to folks? Keep listening to this podcast. Aw, thanks. <laughs> There's so much good stuff in here. Just keep on expanding. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here with me. I just, I didn't know what I was going to do to to celebrate the 200th. And then as soon as I, oh, I need to be with Sarah, that just felt really good. So thank you for coming back and just thank you for where you are in my life. You know, even when you're not there, you're always there. I love you, Bueno. I love you too. Thank you so much to Sarah for spending time with us today. And another special thank you to the folks who lended their voice and their words to tell us everything that they loved about Conversations with a Wounded Healer. So thank you, Brittany. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Margaret. And thank you, Rebecca. I really, really treasure your words. Thank you so much. And thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for our album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.